0: What you're listening to is the sound of the President of the United States playing Angry Birds. I've been sitting here in the Oval Office for mm, 15 minutes now, waiting to interview him. And I'm not not quite sure how to handle it, actually.
1: Daddy, Michael's come all the way from London, England, to interview
2: you. Oh, right, I love England. My mother loved the Queen, by the way, loved your Queen. Who do you work
0: for? Uh, Well, Mr. President, I've made a lot of programs for the BBC. Bad dudes. Very, very dishonest people. Well, this isn't for the BBC. It's a podcast. What shows do you do for the BBC? Um, well, I make one for BBC Radio called The Moral Maze. How big is the maze? Well, uh, there isn't actually a maze, Mr. President, it's... No maze? That's confusing, bad call. Uh, no, you, you see, it's a discussion format where panellists examine moral dilemmas. Moral what? Uh, Dilemmas. Moral dilemmas. No, you've lost me. You know, situations where it's hard to decide what's ethically the right or the wrong thing to do.
2: Nope, still don't get it. Well, it's
0: You're from England, right? Yeah. Do you know Piers Morgan? Uh, not really. He's I... such an ass licker. I told. Daddy,
1: him. you're due for that meeting with the military veterans. Oh yeah. Hand me my bomber jacket, honey. I'm sorry, Michael. You'll have to excuse us. Um, Your office or my Mr. President, I'm we I'm sorry, had an Arrangement.
0: And so I left the Oval Office empty-handed, apart from some complimentary bottles of perfume given to me by the president's daughter. It was a frustrating experience, because I'd wanted to explore with President Trump the questions of how he became president and what sort of president he will be. But we can still make that exploration together. Now, as we go Inside Donald Trump. On the morning of November the 9th, 2016, the world woke up to discover that Donald Trump had been elected as President of the United States. Few had thought it was possible. So why did so many Americans vote for a candidate that the pundits said stood no chance? Seymour Bunce, chairman of Single Fathers for Trump, thinks there's one simple reason.
2: Anger. That's what made America vote Trump. People were angry. Angry about all the things that had been angering them and angry that their anger had been ignored, which made them super angry.
0: And what were they angry about?
2: All of it! The fact that they've been ignored and left behind and abandoned without any warning, not even a note. The yes. fact that America had been stolen from us by all these liberal cocksuckers who think that if you're a 57-year-old male with leather pants and a Holly Davidson throbbing between your legs, then somehow you're sad. Well, now
0: we've taken our country back. So once Donald Trump won the presidency, people such as yourself felt vindicated. That's right and less angry.
2: No, more angry, more angry than ever. Why? Because of all the anger. The angry haters have targeted President Trump with their haters' anger, and that makes me angry as hell. You're angry about the opposition's anger? Oh, I'm madder than a Wolverine in a tumble dryer, and that's mad, trust me. I've seen it.
0: A lot of commentators have observed that the election of
2: President Trump
0: seems to have resulted in a cycle of escalating anger. Who are
2: these? F***ing bedwetters! What gives them the right to criticise our righteous wrath? These are the same lily-livered car-paint perverts who don't... Shh, I've got a nosebleed. Tip your head back. I hate this. I've got a hanky. Oh, screw your fucking hanky. Oh, it's got my shirt.
0: Of course, Americans voted for Donald Trump for all sorts of different reasons. Nicole Jones voted Trump after much deliberation.
1: Well, in the end, I voted for Mr Trump because... Although I didn't agree with everything he said, I felt that, on balance, America needed change.
0: And do you feel that America is getting change?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. A lot of change.
0: Hmm. But not what you were hoping for.
1: No, I must say I wasn't expecting that Mr. Trump's presidential style would be quite so confrontational. I mean, if only there had been some indication that he would be like this. It's just such a shock.
0: He was quite aggressive during the campaign.
1: Yes, but everyone was saying we shouldn't take him literally. My husband said it was all an act.
0: Did your husband vote Trump?
1: Yes, and he always voted Democrat.
0: Could we interview him?
1: No, I'm sorry. He doesn't come out of the House now.
0: Clearly, Donald Trump's presidency is the result of many different complex causes. The British novelist and controversialist Russell Delft has written 397 articles about Donald Trump. He sees his election as part of an inevitable process. Well,
3: of course, Trump could not have risen to power ten years ago, or even five years ago. The environment had to be propitious for him to hatch and swarm. And for that environment to occur, America had to have spent decades infantilizing itself by sucking on the... Which is tit of populist culture ingesting the uh, toxic baby food of fame and celebrity, and injecting its veins with narcotics of fundamentalist religion, global military power, and the hallucinogen of the American dream, which has spasticized their collective intellect to the point where a post-truth president can burgeon into a non-truth patriarch, because truth has become the redundant appendix in the gastric architecture of a binge-holic and a beast self-pleasuring kleptocracy. I mean, it goes without saying, really. hmm. Who should I send my invoice to?
0: So far, like his campaign, Donald Trump's presidency has been marked by an atmosphere of constant controversy and confrontation. And his attempts to bring in new legislation have become mired in difficulties, often of his own making. Gene Kilbride is a Democrat senator.
1: I think President Trump's real problem is that, of course, he isn't really our president. But he is. No. Because he lost the popular vote.
0: Yeah, but he won the election.
1: Only in terms of the result. Well... Hillary got more votes. But... Morally, she won. Yes, but... The numbers don't lie. Well... So he has no legitimacy. But... No mandate. How... There go. he is not president, and this isn't happening.
0: <laughs> but it is happening.
1: No, it isn't. He lost. He's in the White House. I don't care. So... He's lost. That's the reality. I said that's the reality! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I got some spit on your tie there.
0: One of the main flashpoints of the Trump presidency continues to be his problematic relationship with the truth. He has a tendency to make claims that are palpably false, often in a cavalier and reckless fashion. Are these untruths merely a tactic, or do they come from somewhere more deep-rooted? His estranged cousin, Gary Schneider, remembers a little boy who had a habit of playing fast and loose with the truth.
4: Yeah, Donald was kind of like that. I remember my dad always used to say that if he asked Donald the time, he'd lie just for the practice.
0: And when he was caught lying, what did Donald's father say to him?
4: Lie better next time.
0: So he didn't experience any consequences for telling lies. Guess not. Looking back, you think he was perhaps retreating into fantasy to somehow escape reality?
4: No, I think he just liked lying.
0: Of course, there are many who dispute this negative reading of Trump's veracity.
1: A huge percentage of the president's so-called lies are things he never said, or things that were taken out of context, or things that he said in quotation marks, you know, using his fingers to denote irony, or things that he said and subsequently unsaid, or things that somebody else said that he just repeated, but then the media said he said. Those are the facts.
0: Kerry-Jane Foreman worked as part of Donald Trump's election campaign team. She feels he's being deliberately misrepresented.
1: Our media is the problem, Michael. They have this liberal agenda, and they are shameless, shallow, and superficial. So they just focus obsessively on the words that come out of the president's mouth mm-hmm. rather than what's in his soul. Right. They are not interested in what's inside Donald Trump. And there is so much inside him, so much inside. Mm. He is a deep, deep deep human being, but it is very hard to show how deep your depths are when the news agenda isn't interested in the depths of your deepness. The moment Mr. Trump says anything, the press just report it with no analysis of all the hidden things he didn't say. That is how lazy they are. And that's why they're getting shut down.
0: President Trump has already said on several occasions that he's at war with what he calls the dishonest media. And one of his greatest weapons in that war is Twitter, which he uses to bypass the mainstream press and address his core supporters. Here's his cousin Gary Schneider again.
4: Well, when Twitter came along, that was a godsend for Donald and for his family because it meant he would no longer go round the house at two in the morning waking everyone up to tell them his opinions. They weren't always his opinions. Sometimes they were other people's and he'd just pretend they were his. Uh, Once he woke me up to tell me that the Duke of Edinburgh was definitely a lizard.
0: So he'd actually wake people up?
4: Yeah. It's why Ivana divorced him. And Marla. They were desperate for sleep.
0: President Trump's confrontations with the media often seem to hinge around one explosive story. It's the story that won't go away. The allegations that during the election campaign, there was collusion between Team Trump and Vladimir Putin's Russia. Sergei Oblomov spent 30 years working for Russian intelligence.
5: My contacts tell me that Moscow did run a black ops cyber attack on Hillary Clinton and actively circulated various allegations about her. With the aim of getting Donald Trump elected? Uh, No, with the aim of getting a weakened and destabilized Hillary Clinton elected. That was the plan. So they didn't bargain for Trump winning? No. No, no, no one bargained for that.
0: So what was their reaction when they
5: realized that Donald Trump had won? My contacts tell me that there was quite a dash for the toilets. So it caused consternation? Yes, much consternation. Because of? Mr. Trump's mm, personality. Moscow had prepared a detailed psychological assessment of him, and it was not reassuring. What were their main concerns? Well, if you are playing tennis against an opponent, you need that opponent to understand the rules of tennis. He needs to know that he must keep the ball inside the lines. Uh, But Mr. Trump... ...doesn't know where the lines are? No, he doesn't know that there are lines. So it will be hard to play tennis on a court of infinite size.
0: A lot of commentators have expressed concerns that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are similar in character. Both thin-skinned alpha
5: males who are obsessed with winning. Yes. So how do you see their relationship panning out? You should never put two badgers with rabies in the same barrel. Is that an old Russian saying? No. As we look
0: ahead, the big question is what sort of president will Donald Trump be? Certainly he won't be able to achieve very much if he doesn't get the backing of the Republicans. Mac Thurville is a Republican congressman.
4: Well, there's no doubt that President Trump has his own colourful style, which we all appreciate and respect. But, you know, he was mandated by the American people So I'm sure everyone in the Republican Party is now resolved, in true American fashion, to unite behind him and support his presidency going forward at this time. during the election campaign, of course, you called Mr. Trump a festering sleazeball. Well, you know, elections are adversarial, a lot of stuff gets said in the heat of the battle, but President Trump was gracious enough a few days after his inauguration to invite me to the White House for a private meeting. What was the atmosphere like? Well, you know, President Trump was... Well, I mean, there was a lot of banter. What kind of banter? Oh, just, you know, locker room, bannery, pranky, joshing about, making me dance and stuff. He made you dance? Hey, I was happy to. He's my president. It could have been worse.
0: He made Mitt Romney juggle live lobsters. And did you get to discuss the differences between you? For instance, you've you've previously criticized his stance on waterboarding, haven't you? Did that come up? Yeah. He discussed waterboarding? Well, he more sort of illustrated it. Are you saying he waterboarded you? Yeah, but but in that
4: jokey way of his, (laughs) you know, it's important not to take him too literally. Besides, all the time he was laughing and wisecracking and saying stuff like, Hey Steve, why don't you drown the little creep? (laughs) It was fun. It didn't bother me. I've been in politics for 30 years. It's all part of the process. There are rumors of you now being offered a minor role in the administration, aren't there? Well, that's purely a matter for the President, but obviously, if it should arise, I would be honored to serve under him, to usher in an exciting era for this great country. Has the President spoken to you directly about a job? Well, he he has asked me to attend a private meeting next week, so uh, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to that. A meeting at the White House?
0: No, it's, it's in some woods. Perhaps the answer to the question, what sort of president will Trump be, lies in the past. Here's former Secretary of State and Nobel Peace Prize winner Henry
3: Kissinger. Trump reminds me in some regards of Richard Nixon, because Nixon always needed an enemy. The difference is that Nixon tended to go after his enemies in secret, because Nixon was a secretive guy. So, for instance, he would say, Henry, let's bomb Cambodia, but don't tell anyone. Whereas when Trump lies, he doesn't seem to care if he gets caught, he just drowns it out of the next lie. Also, if you tell enough lies, sooner or later you'll say something that accidentally turns out to be true. And then you can point to that as some kind of proof of your veracity. It's an ingenious strategy, I wish I'd thought of it.
0: A lot of people think that President Trump's instability will eventually sink his
3: presidency. Again, there's a possible parallel there with Richard Nixon, isn't there? Well, Nixon's paranoia made him reckless. So one morning he said, I'm going to get some Cuban nut jobs to burgle the Democrats. Don't tell anyone. And that proved to be his downfall. And you don't see Trump doing something like that? Well, it looks like he already has, but he had the brains to get the Russians to do it. People who know what they are doing. So you can't envisage a situation where, say... President Trump could be impeached. What could he do that could be worse than the things he has done? When you're guilty of so much, you desensitise people to your misdemeanours. Brilliant, again. I wish I'd come up with it. Could you ever picture yourself working for someone like Trump? Oh, yes. I'll work for anyone.
0: So what do the coming years hold in store for us, with such a loose cannon in the White House? Connor Lakehead is a shock jock with Hellcat Radio and a contributor to Breitbart. He feels the way ahead is very clear.
6: At the moment, they won't let President Trump be president. The deep state is conspiring to thwart and obstruct and undermine him. But here's what's going to happen, my friend. Sooner or later, some wacko Muslim towelhead is going to kill American citizens on American soil. And President Trump will be able to say to the American people, you see, this is what happens when we let these judges and journalists and spooks and liberal wet wipes and all the other enemies of the people defy the president and expose our country to attack. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. And then the president will be able to say, okay, screw your so-called checks and balances. I need new powers to keep America safe.
0: But you're not saying you'd welcome a terrorist attack on mainland America?
6: I didn't say that, and you can't say that I did say that. I just said sooner or later it's gonna happen. And that when it does happen, it'll, well, it'll speed things up, that's all. It's gonna happen, we might as well get it over with, c sets, and let the big man take the wheel. It's gonna happen, sooner or later.
0: During this journey, I've examined Trump the boy, Trump the man, and Trump the president. I've made many extraordinary discoveries and heard some astonishing claims. That he had a brother who may have been eaten by bears. That his lovemaking is so monotonous that it can send women to sleep. That his mother liked to eat puffins. That he was born in Iraq. That as a child, he bit other children. That he waterboarded a congressman. And perhaps most sensational of all, that he escaped from a mental institution at the age of 14. But how much credence can we give to these claims? It's impossible to prove or disprove that they are true, in inverted commas. We can't categorically authenticate any of the claims made in this podcast. We're merely putting them out there for discussion, so that they can become part of the bigger conversation. The conversation about what the hell is going on inside
7: Donald Trump. Inside Donald Trump was created by Andy Hamilton and presented by Michael Burke. It was edited by Andy Goddard and John Harvey and produced by Claire Broughton. Our talented team of contributors included Ronnie Ancona, Kevin Bishop, Hugh Dennis, Dimitri Garitas, Corey Johnson, Lorelei King, Lewis MacLeod, Jimmy Mulville, Philip Pope, and Claire Skinner. The associate producers on the project were David Griffiths, Douglas Penman, Helen Russell, Georgina Lipiat, Robert Cole, Nick Walpole, Laura Breggevin, Verity Vizlocki, Colin Bond, Christopher Collingridge, Jeff Patterson, John Wood, Jan O'Malley, Elric Williams, Yvonne Maddox, Julian Benton and Amro Jabril. With special thanks to John Mitchison and Matthew Clayton. Inside Donald Trump is a hat-trick production for Unbound,